0: Breaking the Glass Slipper, we believe it is important to have conversations about women and issues of intersectional feminism within science fiction, fantasy and horror. To continue to do so, we need your help. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Join the conversation by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.
1: I'm Charlotte Bond. I'm Lucy Hounson. And I'm Megan Lee. Uh, For those of you who have not heard of us, we are a podcast that talks about women in genre fiction, whether that's female writers or female characters. Today we are joined by the lovely Marguerite Kenner and Anne Lyle, Uh, and I'll let them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what they do. Anne, would you like to go first? Uh, Sure. Um, I write
2: uh, epic-ish fantasy, uh, usually involving spies and thieves and uh, other nerdy worlds.
3: And I'm Marguerite Kenner. I use she, her pronouns. I am the co-captain of the Red Cloaks, which are your on-site volunteers for FantasyCon. I'm a fellow podcaster. I wear too many hats to go into to make this efficient.
1: <laughs> okay, so we thought that we'd take a bit more of a light-hearted approach to the celebration of female characters for this live episode. So I've asked each of my co-hosts and our guests to choose their favourite fictional character from any medium. Uh, I've then written three scenarios which have involved familiar situations from fantasy, horror and science fiction. And we're each going to say how our chosen character would deal with the problem presented. Uh, No pressure, but I will be asking the audience to vote on which woman they think wins the day. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you please tell us the name of your chosen character and a little bit about them? And then Lucy can start off with fancy scenarios. scenario. So, Marguerite, you're at one end. Would you like to start and then we'll work our way down?
3: I've kind of cheated in that I've picked a character that I don't have to think very hard about because it's a character that you play. So, I am playing the Bioware Mass Effect hero, Commander Shepard.
0: So, I am taking on the mantle of Leia Organa, also known as Princess Leia.
3: Politician. general player
0: well, yes princess general depending on the age but I'm a <clears throat> original trilogy fan so she's princess to me politician rebel smart mouth this woman will take none of your shit and she will outwit friends and foes alike but please someone just get that walking carpet out of her way I'm playing
4: the hero of the Harry Potter universe Hermione Granger <laughs> Is that all summary? <laughs> I think Mione speaks for herself. We all know <laughs> who should well. have been the chosen one and who got Harry and Ron out
1: of all that shit. I should be next in line, but I feel that Anne needs to go first.
3: <gasps>
1: for our listeners who aren't here in person, Anne has just on the most lovely witch's hat ever.
2: <laughs> because I'm Granny Weatherwax, I think I need no introduction.
1: <laughs> I have to admit that I was going to be Granny Weatherworks. Um, therefore, I am Nanny Og, and I have the red boots, I have the Grebo earrings, and I have the hedgehog. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a wizard staff with a knob on the end, so you'll just have to improvise.
4: <laughs> Maybe you can ask someone to uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> lend you it. <laughs>
4: No,
3: it won't.
1: <laughs> so, scenario one. Lucy, would you lead us in, please?
4: Scenario one is our fantasy scenario. So you find yourself facing the Dark Lord of Eternity, the Dark Lord of Eternity. He is close to achieving his ultimate goal and only you stand in the way of him and his army of darkness. Having fought long and hard to get here, you are exhausted but determined. You have one magical item of your choosing in your possession as well as your wits and your inherent talents. So how do you defeat the Dark Lord of Eternity?
0: Princess Leia. (laughs) Me first. I mean, I sort of look down on your fantasy a little bit because I don't need a magical item in order to defeat the Dark Lord because I am that intelligent. I'm basically just gonna go head to head, a philosophical argument with this Dark Lord because I'm gonna run rings around this fella just, like, beat him, because men don't like it when women just stare them down, tell them what's what, put them in their place, and that's what I'm going to do, take down the Dark Lord of Eternity with my wit.
1: Well, I have a question. (laughs) If you're the original Princess Lair rather than the sequel Princess Lair, does that mean you will not be using the Force?
0: No. I'm just an intelligent, strong-willed individual, and I am going to take down... The bad guy, because I know what's right and just, and I'm also a very capable politician and, and you know, bureaucrat and organizer person. So, just in all the ways, I don't need your little silly magic.
1: Not even a lightsaber?
0: No, nope, don't need a lightsaber. Mm-mm. <laughs>
3: Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. Marguerite? What uh, you
3: did? I'm thinking tactical orbital strike. <laughs>
1: Is this new Come from all It's the only way
3: to be sure. Well, the only problem is you have to make sure he doesn't sculpt her out of the building before the strike actually happens. But one of the nice things about my character is that she works in a team, and so she has lots of people. So, I could probably send a crew, led, of course, by Garrus Vicarian. Who else would you send? And probably Rex, because I'm an old school Mass Effect fan, and Rex the Krogan gets everything done. So, we send those two to make sure that the Dark Lord doesn't escape, and he's a Krogan, so he can probably survive a tactical orbital strike. They'll make sure he doesn't run, and the Normandy will just nuke them from orbit. No magic needed. Though I do hear that magic and Izo were frequently the same thing. So we'll, we'll call it magic.
1: It's down to the magical crew then. Hermione Granger, yeah. how would you deal with another, another doctor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a question. What age, Hermione, are you? Are you like schoolgirl age? Is this going to make it even more difficult? De- Defeating for the Dark
4: Lord. Okay. In
3: other words, how much homework are you juggling or dealing with this?
4: <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter how much homework I have got, because, uh, you know, Hermione can take down a Dark Lord and do her Transfiguration essay on time.
1: So, after Harry Potter has tried Expelliarmus and that hasn't worked,
0: <laughs> what, what's Hermione Granger doing?
4: Well, Hermione didn't have a great experience with Polyjuice Potion the first time around, but she didn't do too badly in the last book. So... She's going to have her magical item pre-prepared. It's going to be polyjuice potion with a hair of the Dark Lord of Eternity in it. Because she'll have got that beforehand because she's that organised. Probably like five years in the past. So she's going to turn into him and then totally freak him out with being his own conscience. And, you know, because generally Dark Lords are just really, really insecure people. Like they, mm-hmm. they, the only thing that they couldn't face is their themselves. A reflection of themselves and because she's so intelligent and she's really good at like you know solving puzzles and turning things back on you know other people i think that she would like talk at him enough and kind of lower his confidence enough that he would just be like god what am i even doing i should just give up and then if that didn't work she could just wingardium leviosa his ass (laughs) because that worked on the troll and she was 11. (laughs)
1: I quite like this idea that we've got Leia going in and negotiating and not using any magic and maybe, you know, taking a hair on the way out and then yeah, yeah. Hermione and then we've got yeah. Commander Shepard in the background just waiting to nick him from orbit if it, if it doesn't go right. It's yeah. a
3: flawless plan, we'll put it together, <laughs> exactly. So
0: I definitely think Leia and Hermione would be best buds. They would, because, yeah. you know, we would make him see that victory is hollow.
3: Two there always are. <laughs>
1: So,
0: Anne, or Randy, how
2: would you deal with this? Well, I I assume this is happening in in the disc world, because I don't travel well. Uh, So, in the disc world, everybody except Death uh, has a lifetimer, because they have a chance of, of, you know, not existing. Uh, So, you know, I'm a witch, I can see Death, so I will have a quick word with Death, have him go to his VIP room where he saves all the special... Lifetimers for the gods and the demons and things, and I've been bringing the Dark Lords one to me. And you know, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really hold much truck with magic items. Just this once, I think. You know, me and a whole army of darkness. Uh, I think I need a bit of help on my side. So I'd say, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, come through me. I'm, I'm a little old lady, and, and I might drop this lifetimer. <laughs> so or you can either do that, or you can just bugger off home. So that that would be my tactic.
1: I'm pretty sure death owes Randy Weatherwax a few favours. I'm sure <laughs> he does. Be can I? Okay, so lowest common denominator, that would be me. So my magical item uh, would be a bottomless cauldron. And I think I would start off by doing my usual cookery with a powerful anti-emetic stew. And because I'm Nanny Og, I'd wander out make friends with probably the leaders, you know, the, the heads, not the, the big wigs, but the, the next ones down, the ones who, you know, roll their eyes at their superiors. And, and I'd flirt a little bit and, uh, and make a few innuendos. And uh, so I'd dish out my stew of anti-emetics that everyone would be, be really happy. And uh, they'd accept that I was part of the Dark Lord because I'd have Brevo with me. And let's face it, what kind of sane person would have Reba if not part of the evil dark forces. Uh, So I'd do that and while I was out there I'd I'd collect a little bit of gossip that I could feed back to to my, I was going to say my mate. I don't know, would Nanny and Hermione be mates? I suppose they would. I think Hermione would be
4: slightly (laughs) freaked out by Nanny's um, wizard staff and... uh, (laughs)
3: That Other would be some, or there'd be some really epic eye rolls about stylistic choices. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: would. But anyway, I'm sure through my gossiping, I would create, I would manage to get some decent information I could feed back to my colleagues. And then once I had um, finished with my bottomless cauldron of stew, I would invariably fill it with a bottomless drink, some kind of very lethal punch that I would pass out and literally pass out, that I would hand out to the, the Dark Lord so that any of those who hadn't eaten my stew would very definitely be having a drink. And while I was there, I'd probably have a chat with them. I'd probably solve a few personal problems. I'd probably convince a few of them to, to turn around and you know, not fight for the Dark Lord, dear me, because you'd be much better on our side. And then in the morning, I'd leave it up to you, because let's face it, they're not going to be in any fit state to, uh, to argue.
4: And remember, Nanny can you know drink anyone under the table yes. So you could even Absolutely. drink with them and still be fine
1: That's true, and whilst I'm doing this of course Esme Weatherwax is off doing her, her deals quietly Because that seems to be the way that Nanny works She does the sort of distraction while Esme sits
3: in the background And
1: quietly plots or maybe not so quietly.
3: <laughs> can I just point out how like four of the five people on this panel are like, my female character solves this problem with deep psychological empathy? <laughs> I'm kind of true. I'm feeling a little out here. I'm like, okay, Commander Shepherd is very <sighs> empathetic and can be played very sympathetically, but I just want to nuke him from orbit. It's a clear victory.
1: Commander I, Shepard, have you met the very empathetic granny weatherwax who really <laughs> really, while psychologically isn't the nicest and and friendlies to people. I kind of feel you guys will get on all right. Mm.
2: I believe in being good. I don't mean the same as being nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, now that we've dealt with the Dark Lord, we shall move on to horror, which is my scenario. So, it is midnight, and there is a werewolf on the loose. You have been out walking, and you find yourself sheltering in a cave. There's a rustling in the bushes, and a creature steps forward. The only weapon you have to hand is whatever you've brought with you in your bag. So... What do you pull from your bag and what do you do with it? Who would like to start? I'll pick on someone if you don't volunteer.
0: (laughs) Fine, I can start again. Princess Leia. Yeah, I mean I'm used to leading people so you know it's only natural that I would lead on the answers and you and Hairy Animals are probably going to be a a good place to.
3: (laughs) There's a whole thing (laughs) there.
0: Well, As many of you may know that, uh, uh, breaking the fourth wall here, but my director decided that there were no breasts in space. And having no breasts in space was a problem because I had a wonderful bosom.
3: Commander Shepard has many questions about (laughs) not being
0: breasts in space. So the director gave me lots of tape to tape down my wonderful bosom. And then appear in space without flat-chested because, you know, maybe it just, it was too off-putting, it it just felt inferior. I don't know. But in my handbag or backpack or whatever. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I'm going to call over R2. I'm going to wolf whistle to get R2 and hopefully the werewolf won't answer. Um, And R2 is going to bring me the spare tape I used tape down my bosom (laughs) and I am going to use that tape
3: oh god (laughs) (laughs) I sense where this is going
0: and I am going to tape up that pesky werewolf and hope that in the morning uh, when the moon changes pesky werewolf might be a rather attractive young man just saying I must
1: admit that the (laughs) idea of tape and a creature made of fur that was not where I was going with it I mean I could wax
0: it I mean (laughs) You know, while I was there. Everybody's got to have a hobby. <laughs> hold still while I shave you. <laughs> he doesn't have to hold still. You tape him to the tree and then you works. It's fine. <laughs> Granny Weatherwax, how do you deal with a werewolf?
2: Well, I've got nothing in my bag. Because every werewolf from Uberwald to Ankh-Morpork knows that I'm the most terrifying thing in the forest. <laughs> Sorted.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. I kind of feel that um, Nanny Og wouldn't have a bag, she would just have knickerelastic. elastic. And uh, I also feel (laughs) that Nanny Og's approach would, would depend on whether it was a male werewolf or a female werewolf. So let's go with the idea that it's a naked man covered in fur, which is essentially how Nanny Og would view it. In which case, I reckon she's got a silver spoon from whatever kitchen she's been in last. She takes the silver spoon out of her knickers with a little twang, walks up to the werewolf that is snarling and covered with saliva, and whaps it across the nose. And while he's whinging, I reckon she would give him a really good talking to, and then let's face it, she would probably tickle him under the chin, because anybody who owns Grebo is not going to be worried about petting a werewolf. Um, I also reckon, once again, she would probably go on to solve all of his personal problems. Um, and she would probably be trying very desperately not to look at his furry genitalia all this time. Uh, would she
4: really be trying that hard?
1: <laughs> well, I was thinking of those occasions when Grebe turns into a human, when she notices and then tries not to notice. Or maybe it's just a special thing with Griebe. Maybe it's all right if it's a werewolf.
0: It's all right. I can, like... Tape it up. <laughs> you don't have tape to see solves it everything.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. It's fine. However, I reckon if it's a naked woman, then most female werewolves, as shown by Angela, um, always are having a bad hair day. And Nanny strikes me as the sort of person who, in the other side of her knicker elastic, would have a hairbrush. So I reckon she would get the hairbrush out, sit the werewolf down, and give it a lovely brushing. Um, and would also probably talk to her about how awful men were. And the werewolf would end up in tears or perhaps sighing and then I reckon at the end of it Naniog would have a werewolf on the side alongside Granny Weatherworks and they would probably go and wreak havoc on all the men of the world because who could stop them. Uh, so that's I think how we would we'd end up doing with it. <laughs> and to be honest if my, my soothing and cajoling didn't work I'd just take one step backwards behind Granny Weatherworks and problem solved. <laughs> Uh, So, uh, Hermione, how would you deal with
4: it? Right, so everyone remembers that Hermione has that magical bag in the the last book which she can fit like a tent in
1: Oh yeah, like the Mary Poppins
4: bag
3: Best clutch ever
4: It's like the beaded bag, so it's obviously a very pretty nice bag like an evening bag Anyway, from out of the beaded bag, she pulls Professor Lupin (laughs) (laughs) I, I have questions, but let's move swiftly on um, did you? Oh, oh no, you you didn't, because that was a fanfic that my friend wrote. Uh, so my friend wrote um, a fanfic when she was fourteen about how Hermione went back in time and met Professor Lupin when he was young and hot. I mean, he's still hot, but you know they were the same age, and um, maybe that's what's influenced this uh, answer. So she went. She had a time turner. Just bear with me. Time turner <laughs> went back in time, seduced. Sort of Professor Lupin knocked him out, put him in a beaded bag, went forward in time, went to the werewolf cave, pulled him out. He turns into a werewolf, and they fight it out. And if Lupin doesn't win, then she can just do the Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> so this is—is
1: this, is <laughs> is is this her uh, her version of expelling? It is. This. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I—I I also perhaps the horror side of me sees another part of it because didn't Professor Lupin? Die at one point. Sorry if you've not read.
4: Oh my god! <laughs> I just had visions of Hermione pulling out a dead werewolf, oh. <laughs> dumping it on
1: the ground, and going, and I put it in my bag.
4: <laughs> just as like, in, like this is going to happen to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah he, he was in my bag for a long time. I
4: actually think Professor Lupin is a very sensible answer.
3: Whether he's a corpse <laughs> or alive. <laughs> Either way is good.
2: Schrodinger's werewolf.
3: Yeah. Uh, and I'm like redconning several events of the books going, where would a dead Professor Lupin like and help this situation?
1: <laughs> well, we have at least one situation now where that applies. So how would Commander Shepard deal? With a Quick the question,
3: command? what's a werewolf? <laughs> i like, I have scientists and I would probably try to capture it and figure out what the heck a werewolf actually is which is a terribly boring answer i realize but i did go with the science fiction option and this is a fantasy and horror convention so i feel like i should suffer from my choice somewhat <laughs> uh, but how would you capture a so, rabid werewolf is is the the fact that it's rabid important if i'm wearing complete body armor
4: no nope, it would just be rabid in the sense of very <coughs> angry and 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 clawy
3: <laughs> claw-y. clawy i'm, ge- I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing concussion grenades would be involved. (laughs) Stun it, knock it out, put it in a cage, give it to the scientists. Werewolves are quite durable, so yeah. I would imagine that it would be fine.
1: So what would you do the next morning when it was a human? Would you still want to I would have
3: so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) I think analysis would be involved, exactly. But, you know, knowing that it's actually a human, because that's one of the things that I think the werewolf myth kind of relies upon is The assumption that the first time you encounter the beast, it's not human, it's actually a creature. And in scientific settings and sci-fi settings, we're used to this kind of lens of analysis as opposed to necessarily assumption and reaction. So I think a non-lethal takedown might be a priority, especially for a character that has... You know, a more scientific or altruistic bent, as opposed to a horror scenario where, oh God, it's something that jumped out at me. My reaction is, let's kill it.
0: I think that's very fair, hmm. but you know, I mean, slightly less uh, potential for waxing,
3: but that, <laughs> that's right. true. And keep in mind, I have less, I think, comedic material to work with than many of you. I think the, as, as good as I get is punching a reporter when I got a question I didn't like. So.
1: I quite like the idea that on your spaceship, with all of its rules and regulations, it's going to come like a point when it, the you've got, like, oh, well, it's a human, so we must apply all of these human rules, and mm. now it's a, an animal. Oh, we're going to have to bin everything and get the next crew on and kind of treat it as an animal. Oh, oh, it's a human again. And what happens if you're, like, you know, on orbit around a moon and it's permanently an animal? Or, you know, oh, would you, like, have fun just kind of opening and closing the <laughs> <videos>? <laughs> So, have, you know, I'll have bars of light and so you can get, like, little stripes across. Sorry. Please, <laughs> please let me die now.
3: <laughs> so now this has turned into werewolf torture. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose it depends on how painful it is for the werewolf. Maybe it's just a bit itchy, but...
3: You know. Itchy in an IQ drop. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like an album cover.
0: Okay, well, we have got the sci-fi scenario next. All right, so let's do it. I feel like you, you're going to be in your element here. There we so. go. You are in a bar of a newly colonized planet with a selection of your trusted starship crew. A huge, well-muscled, well-armed warrior walks into the bar and says they have the cure to the deathly plague that is ravaging the spaceport. However, they will not hand it over unless someone can beat them in a fair fight. Do you challenge the warrior? Do you send some of your team and a trusted companion to sort it out for you? Do you work as a group?
3: And how do you do this? Let's see. So as I see this in my head, I think Commander Shepard would first try to talk to this individual and find out why on Earth, if they have the cure to the deadly plague that's ravaging the spaceport, they're not giving it up. One of the things I really love about the Mass Effect universe is that there's there's always more than one way to solve a problem. And as I think a lot of this panel has talked about, conversation is a good way to start. And so I think Commander Shepard would first try to find out why this individual felt they had to hoard something. And then I'm pretty sure that there would be a fight. It would just be a question of whether or not my character got to it first or whether the rest of my companions got to it first. And more importantly, once the Krogans started waging in for the fight, what the rest of my crew would be doing, which is probably trying to sneakily infiltrate wherever this guy's base is to get the cure. I mean, we did it with the Krogans. I'm sure we could do it with this guy. (laughs) Your Princess Leia has to be next on the side. That's true. Brack me up here, princess.
0: (laughs) So, I'm thinking there are probably two options. So, we have the similar approach to the Dark Lord in that, obviously, I'm highly intelligent. And, you know, it's going to be like Princess Bride um, (laughs) and trying to beat, you know, the wits, the great wits. Uh, Yeah, but I would definitely win them. Um, But... (laughs) Uh, I think what would actually be quite interesting is because Leia is a rebel and she's you know, worked with spies, she's trained spies, she sent them out to get these plans and I think maybe Leia would infiltrate this guy's like establishment, she would make inner herself- circle. Yeah, the yeah. inner circle. I, you know, Leia would make herself really like invaluable to that, that organisation and understand What was happening? You know, as you say, work out why they were holding this cure, and Mm. you know, did they create the plague in the first place? So why? And what can we do about it? And she will get right to the bottom of it. Not only getting the cure and making sure everyone survives, but maybe even like turning these wayward, wayward (coughs) rebels into some positive rebels. You know, turn them from. He's
3: not the bad guy. He's yes. just bad
0: guy. <laughs> you know, turn, turn them into some peaceful protesters. Maybe, you know? he, he,
3: maybe he just needs some encouragement to try to accomplish his goals or some other ways of accomplishing Yes, them.
0: he needs to understand that there are
3: other ways other than putting
0: people in mortal peril.
3: Or getting his ass kicked.
0: That too. I mean, Leia can also do that. Let's just be clear. Fair. If it comes down to a fist bite, Leia will also win. Just, Yeah.
2: Rani, what do you think you would do? Well, I'm not sure what spaceships are. I went on a riverboat once. Um, my team consists of me, Nanny Og, a Magrat, who's just a wet hen. So what I would do is say, you know, we're not, we're not really up for fighting, uh, but I'll challenge you to a game of cripple Mr Onion. And then I'll really annoy him by singing and fidgeting. Tap uh, and tapping your teeth. You and, and and tap tap my, teeth. Yeah, and I tap my teeth as well. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I always win games of Cripple Mistrunion. So uh, I think we'd be all right, to be honest.
1: Well, I obviously leave most of the uh, kick-assing <laughs> to Granny Weatherwax. But I'd have to say, I think each of my teammates would would have a, a good part to play. And I, ha- I have to say, Granny, you've forgotten my greatest weapon, Grebo And I know you don't like That's him, true. but, but you've true. got to admit his usefulness in a fight. So, first of all, I would clearly turn Grimo into a man so that he could at least attempt to kill the um, the well-armed warrior. And let's face it, it's going to be a bit of a stalemate. Um, but whilst he's doing that, I'm able to sneak onto the spaceship under the guise of a, an old cookery woman or something like that, and I'm able just to, you know, remove the antidote from where he's hidden it, because clearly I've been gossiping with all the crew on the way past and managed to find a flaw in their... Uh, in there because nobody likes the well-armed muscle well-muscled and well-armed man so they're all happy to betray him into the nicker elastic it goes meanwhile um i'm managing to do this because Magrat is out there setting the villagers to fight and resist and to be the true heroine while also not appreciating that that's not the way about it and granny Weatherwax is sitting there watching and haranguing people and i obviously provide her all the information i have gathered and all the gossip and it helps her to defeat the um, well-armed, well-muscled man. However, I have to give a shout-out to Andrew Knighton, wherever he is, who had, who helped me brainstorm how Nanny Og would respond to this. And she suggested, he suggested that if this well-armed, well-muscled warrior came in and stood like this with hands on hips and legs apart, he could be hiding some kind of personal itchy problem that has really made him particularly irritated. And there's nothing that a witch <laughs> Cannot do, cannot cure, and Nanny Og traits uh, strikes us as the sort of person that would have a kind of cure for that sort of thing. And I think she'd just quietly take him to one side and go, "Would you like me to have a look? <laughs> he, he, I could, I could rub it on for you as well if you just hold. Oh, no, okay, invite yourself then. Which would be perhaps the singular way in which she would win. But I suspect that um, more printable, more plausible is using her chemicals.
2: You've, you just know better than you ought to be, Githerall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, Granny. Uh, Hermione, yeah. are you going to involve Ron and Harry this time?
4: Well, I had a long think about how Hermione would sort this situation out because she's not really warrior material, you know. She's the kind of person who would, you know, she prefers to work as a group. She doesn't mind someone else taking... The Shining Credit. She's put up with that for many, many years. So I was thinking maybe she could bargain with it, or she could, you know, challenge it to a game of wits or even a game of riddles. But you know, if all that fails, she could summon her army of house elves. <laughs> because it's Spew's final form. This is many years later. She has, you know, Spew is a proper organisation now, but she's developed a military wing of it that is like the secret service and is like her personal army and obviously because she has a wand and she can you know use summoning spells it's basically like Accio army of house elves (laughs)
3: and
4: (laughs) And, and they'd swarm the well-muscled warrior uh, with their little carving knives that they'd brought straight from the kitchen
1: well actually my husband repeatedly points out that the house elves seem to have a huge amount of power yeah. We're just reading the Chamber of Secrets with my daughter and and um, Dobby, the house elf, has managed to um, enchant a bludger which neither Dumbledore nor anybody else saw um, or managed to prevent. And he he um, stops on getting onto the platforms. And he, in the middle of the wall, muckles <coughs> muggles. And, I mean, if you freed all the house elves, that mm. would be a powerful army.
3: I'm always he, recruiting, he blasts,
1: you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lucy's
2: Malfoy yeah. at the end. We
1: yeah. saw the, the <gasps> He yeah, does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he does, so, yeah, I reckon... It's an untapped resource. It is. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, those are our three scenarios, and I did promise audience voting, so I suggest we go back through, scenario at a time, and if we would be kind enough to summarise our um, response to it, and then we can take audience votes as to who we think would win. Um, So, scenario one fantasy, where we are facing the dark world of eternity... Uh, the only thing that stands in, in the way of him and his army in darkness is you, and with one magical item of your choosing. So, let's start with Commander Shepard and work that way, and then we can do it. What was your idea, Commander Shepard, if you remind us for the Dark Lord of Eternity?
3: Orbital Strike.
1: <laughs> Princess Layer. Logic and Negotiation Skills. Hermione Granger. Polyjuice Potion and...
3: Deep philosophical Deep, arguments.
4: Uh, no, targeted attack on his insecurities.
1: Rani?
2: Uh, would, I would threaten to drop his lifetime.
1: And mine is the party of death. So um, what do we have? Could we have votes for Commander Shepard? Yeah. Well, a lot of people like the yeah. making. Has uh, anyone going to do maths and tally? Or are we just going to have a, a vague general Vague, vague. Vague general. Vague general. Vague, general definitely vague. Princess Leia, who would like to vote for the princess? Oh, just a few. Commander Shepard's beaten you so far. Hermione Granger and her, her deep... Oh, Aww.
0: just Aww. one.
1: No one likes psychological... Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Too much work.
1: Granny. Who likes Granny's approach? Oh, oh, oh she's uh, giving me for oh, my money. That, that's close to Commander Shepard. Um, and Nanny's culture of death. Oh Bless. <laughs> so it is down between um, Commander Shepard and Granny. So should we have one final vote Ooh, to, yeah. to tie it off? We can take it as a tie. You, are you happy to share? Are oh. you happy to share, Granny?
3: I don't need credit. The job is done. <laughs> I,
1: I <laughs> believe right. Granny might not be.
2: I don't like not winning. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't hold with it.
1: We're, we'll call it a tie and uh, maybe come know, back. We
4: can say she won. I'm happy.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Granny and Shepard. Okay. So, scenario two with a werewolf on the loose um, and you have something from your bag. Granny, what would you pull from your bag and what would you do with it? Nothing, I don't need it. (laughs) I have either um, a hairbrush or... um, Oh, the silver spoon. The silver spoon of nose... (laughs) The silver spoon of nose beating. Hermione, what do you have? Professor Lupin. (laughs) For for the purposes of the vote, is he dead or alive? (laughs)
4: That's an unfair question. <laughs> well, we'll take two
1: votes: one on the dead, Professor Lupin
4: and
0: one yeah, on a Yeah, yeah. I
4: mean, because the thing is, both are both are effective, but it's generally but then you know you like, you're going
0: to split your vote.
4: I am going to split. It. I'm just going to say Professor. No, that's me. I'm just going to say Professor Lupin in whatever incarnation he happens to be at that moment in time.
3: for <laughs> <laughs> Professor Lupin. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Princess Leia will use breast tape.
3: Come on, orbital experimentation, <laughs> capture and examine.
1: Excellent. Okay, so who would like to go with Granny and just being Granny? Votes. I oh, oh, well, mean, Granny's
0: clearly just so awesome. She just doesn't even have to do anything. She just gets votes.
1: <laughs> Nanny and her spoon of feeding.
0: Oh, poor oh, Nanny.
1: Oh. Hermione and Professor Lupin in one. Oh. oh <Okay>. In that case, hands down, please. <laughs> Commander <on, Hans> Shepard <laughs> voted
3: against <laughs> her Was that her breast tape?
1: Be, because I am interested, Hermione Granger and dead Lupin? Hermione Granger and live Lupin? There are more Oh, shows. there's more live. He, he is a live N- idea. Yeah. Princess <laughs> Leia Princess Le- Princess with her breast tape? <gasps> oh,
4: yes.
3: come
1: on! Breast tape <laughs> says more than one vote. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> And Commander, that's Commander Lupin. Sorry, Um, (laughs) Commander Lupin. I am recruiting (laughs) Commander Shepard with her experimentation. That's fair. Do you know what? (laughs) That's fine. I think we might need to go and and uh, and drink out my cold from Commander Shepard and and drown our sorrows for it.
3: So the (laughs) just don't ask me to dance.
1: (laughs) So the winner for that one was Hermione and a very much alive Lupin. Okay. And finally, sci- Scenario 3 of science fiction um, with your Starship crew uh, in a bar with a well-armed warrior and um, the uh, cure to a deathly plague. Let's start with Hermione in the middle and work out in some random order. I have yet to decide.
4: <laughs> Army of house elves. Army of house elves. Uh, Granny? Uh, uh,
2: game of cris- Cripple Mr Onion. Game of Cripple Mr Onion.
0: Princess Leia? I'm going to infiltrate this scummy organisation. Excellent, yep. Commander Shepherd.
1: Can you summarise your quite detailed plan that
3: you've <laughs> We'll have a comedic bar fight followed by an intrigue and inf- infiltration session.
1: Okay, and Nanny would go for setting Griever on them, having Magrat as a rallying point, and just letting Granny do her thing. Let's face it.
3: Uh, so, who
1: would like to vote for Hermione and her army of house elves? Just one, oh, oh, hell, oh, oh, two, oh, oh, oh not as. Popular. Three. three, Not as popular as the, the Lupin <laughs> I have to admit um, Who would like to set Granny on the uh, Oh, that's quite popular Four, okay And then we had Princess Leia and the Infiltration
3: One, oh, Leia oh, <gasps> just not? Uh,
1: Commander Shepard oh, oh. i pretty
3: popular on this one. Are you, oh yeah oh. And
1: I'm guessing not many for Nanny Oh, thank you <laughs> So I think Commander Shepard yeah. wins that one so actually, despite not being feeling that you weren't, your Commander Shepard wasn't applicable to many situations. She has won two out of three power teamwork. Yeah. So I think we can probably open it up to audience questions. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: uh, I'm you know, looking forward
1: pre-
0: to this. Yes, throw us a scenario or ask any questions that you wish. Anyone? No. No. They're all going to be frightened. It's because it was so terrifying. I, hey, we have a question. Uh,
1: the question from the audience, for um, editing purposes, <laughs> was how would your character's deal with an attack jointly organised by Voldemort and Reacher Gilt from Going Postal who was described as basically a commercial pirate he is a businessman who tells everybody he's going to fleece them and they all go <laughs> and then he fleeces them and they're like oh but but why did you do that and he's
0: like I just told you I was going to do it were you not paying attention? I'd like to point out that that helpful little explanation was probably mostly for my benefit oh, because also mine. I've <laughs> not read any practice <gasps> No, I'm
1: not as bad as that Neither have I <gasps> uh, I guess the, the summary then is who would, How would you deal with the Dark Lord And his dubious accountant Who has funded his whole army um, okay. Would anybody like to step up And provide an answer mm.
3: Well the thing about travelling through space Is that lots of people leave their stuff Flying around You wind up picking up lots of it Because you have a spaceship to carry it all in and then when you get back to some spaceport, you sell it all. So you wind up actually having an awful lot of money. So when you have to deal with scenarios where people are like, oh, this is, uh, you have to pay for this very super expensive thing, you're like, okay. So
0: you're just basically going to like rain money. you just... It works. <laughs>
3: <laughs> never underestimate the power of economics when it comes to certain scenarios. Well, especially Sometimes if you're an accountant. Account. Yeah, exactly. If if he's complaining about it, he just needs to be paid for something. Sometimes, if money is your superpower, you can just pay for it. It works for Batman! (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody else have suggestions that they would like to put
1: forward? It's it's slightly out of uh, what
2: I believe they call my wheelhouse, Uh, (laughs) but um, if nothing else works, I find a hat pin is very useful.
1: (laughs) I kind of have to say, my knowledge of Reacher Guilt from going postal, I know that he has an eagle before the eagle decides he's too mad and leaves him, and uh, I remember Nanny getting on quite well with eagles, eagle, so I'm pretty sure she'd have a, a quiet sideline in and a chat to him and, uh, and figure out what was going on, and I also kind of feel that Reacher Guilt, if he was in a good mood, would probably be quite good company for Granny. He'd be the sort of person that she might regret in the morning, but she'd be quite happy on the evening. <laughs> Um, so I reckon she'd kind of undermine him that way and possibly tie him up with the infamous elastic. Does elastic.
3: Does this relate to that endless, bottom, bottomless cauldron of alcohol somehow? I'm pretty sure Reacher guilt would probably be good at
1: matching him. He's, he's, quite, a, he's quite a character.
3: Um, and if it's Voldemort that you're facing
1: off against, I reckon once Reacher guilt is dispatched, um, Nanny is such a mothering character and has, I think she said, 15 children of her own. I, I can't really see the mothering instinct... Um, not coming to the fore at this point, and I'm pretty sure she would have no truck with Voldemort, and it might be the one time we see Nanny get violent, because if you're threatening a whole school
0: full of kiddies, that's, that's not going to work. See, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. I thought you were going to say, you know, the only thing that Voldemort needed was a mother who loved him.
4: Yeah, I thought you were going to go with that.
0: <laughs>
1: so,
4: uh,
0: yes, that was a much better idea. <laughs>
1: Obviously, when Megan edits this, that is exactly what I will say. So, for the edit, yes, Nanny Off would <laughs> clearly mother Voldemort, and and that would be all he would need, and then he would join Hogwarts and become prefect and top of the class, and we'd all be happy. The
0: air. The air. yes, yeah, so with, okay. with the help of Hermione's um, time turner. Yeah. Yes, Hermione, how would you you dealt with
1: Voldemort once before? How would you do if he's got financial backing and somebody <laughs> yeah, slightly more evil? Um. Giant
4: Squid or Moaning Myrtle. Just because Moaning Myrtle is... It, well, they're friends, and she's What, Giant really, Squid and Moaning Myrtle? No, 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 no. Hermione is probably better friends with Moaning, Mo- Moaning Myrtle than she is with the Giant Squid. So I was thinking possibly just getting Myrtle to, like, bore them to death. Because, you know, she's already dealt with Voldemort, so I'm thinking that. But the thing is, I don't know this other guy, so I'm not sure what his uh, his superpowers
3: are. <laughs>
1: Princess Leia, how would you go about dealing with someone like Voldemort? Just come join uh, me on the spaceship. Come on.
3: Yeah. You know you want to.
1: <laughs> I mean, the thing about Leia is that she works quite well as a team, and yet she's been, when you've answered, she's definitely been working on her own. I kind of feel that now is the time. For those who do who do know Pratchett, I'm pretty sure Reacher Gilt and Han Solo must have something in common. There's got to be a link there, and you could kind of push Han over to well, one side. And could she
0: not just, you know, find them the you know, trash, you know. A and, trash compactor. Yeah, the trash compactor and just basically put them in together and then she can go off. and have the drink with Hans. Yeah. <laughs> I There's mean, a- they can go on date night and, uh, you know, Voldemort can, I, I feel like Voldemort would be really, like, germphobic. No, no, no. <laughs> no I totally see nose. that. Yeah, he would yeah. definitely be a germphobe. So I I think she should definitely put him in the trash compactor. I'm pretty sure if you told him Harry Potter was down there, he'd go down there willingly. There you go. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, you get rid of, the of that. I can help you with
3: that, you know? Well, you, you can get, you get rid, rid of, of it.
0: You know? <laughs> I, I will say that I
1: edited that in my head because my first suggestion was that you threw Harry Potter down there. And then I went, that's probably not within my persona. I ought to say pretend he's down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: pretend, yes.
1: <laughs> Do we have any more weird ones? Wow, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We have even had time to think. Um, we <laughs> So the question for the benefit of um, our recording is if all the characters turned up and there was a five-way clash at FantasyCon of all the panels they wanted to see, how would they deal with it? And no time terminer is allowed for Hermione?
3: Bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) Power of teamwork. If you've got a big team, you can send multiple people to all of the events and then you have a big powwow afterwards in the bar. If you can hear yourselves... Over the karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> but surely, surely you have tech anyway, so you could also
0: all go and record the, the other panels. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Look, cover we got
0: cover. it covered.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure Nanny would just go to the bar. Granny, <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> what would you Please. do? Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know about these panels.
1: I'm pretty sure she would just walk in somewhere and give her own talk, surely. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's not one to sit in the audience and listen. That's true. That's true. Hermione, without your time turner? army of house elves
0: with notepads? <laughs> exactly. Well, well handled. The,
4: it's the academic wing.
0: <laughs> Leah? So, I'm quite a logical mind and I think things through and I think I would make a pro and con list. <laughs> um, yep. And I imagine that I would get teased mercilessly for, mercilessly for it by Hahn because he's an idiot. So... <laughs>
3: But would it take you the entire anal, the entire hour, where all five panels are running, <laughs> in order to make the pros and cons list for all five panels, so that by the time you come to a definitive decision, I mean that's the entirely possible. Over. That is, that is entirely possible because I am born of
0: a bureaucracy. So, uh, yeah, that is that is entirely public. The um, with the republic and you know I'm just I'm used to dealing with pencil pushes and red tape and you know I need my lists and you need to give me some goddamn space so
3: I can write some lists. Okay.
0: So. Uh, I thought
4: best character to sort this situation out mm-hmm. so just get a gelfling five gelflings <laughs> send one to each panel and then dream fast with each one.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. So if we are very quick we can have the last scenario or question. How would our characters survive on a desert island and, crucially, how would they get off?
2: Granny? Uh, well, I've, you know, I've done a bit of gardening, so <laughs> so I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd manage with, you know, growing my own food. Uh, I'm not sure about getting off. I might not want to get off. Um, I, you know, I, there's, there's lots of things you can do on a desert island. You know, when I get bored, I can, you know, borrow the seagulls or something. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I'd just stay there.
1: I think I would utilise Grebo, and as a cat, he could catch me enough stuff to eat, and as a man, I'd make him build me a raft and paddle me to safety. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd sit there with my coconut and my banana na 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 Nice. <laughs> daiquiri. Nice. Who would like to offer up their next desert island? Well,
0: I mean, the thing is, does this desert island have Ewoks? Because <laughs> I have an affinity with Ewoks. They just get me, and I get them, and they help me, and they do as I command, basically. <gasps> they could weave themselves into a raft. Carry you away. We, the, we themselves. Weave themselves. Yeah, they brush all the yeah, like, off.
4: Yeah, well, no, like one could like hold the back of the other one, and then they could.
0: <laughs> there is some interesting hand gestures happening right now. Just uh yeah, ewok craft. Ewok craft. All right. Yes, I am going to uh, survive the desert island by befriending ewoks and getting away on my ewok craft. Um, what if there were no ewoks on the island? You've just raised it, Hermione. <laughs>
1: Come on then, Hermione, How would you do it? <laughs> uh,
4: Animagous, you know, like I would just, you know, study really hard, <laughs> learn to turn into a dolphin, not a dolphin, because I only learned that they gang-rape other dolphins the other day, so not a dolphin, because um, they're evil. Um, something cooler, like... A, a manatee. Yes. Or le- yeah, manatees. They're graceful and lovely, and they fly through the water, so sea I'd counts. simply turn myself. Oh, yes. Yes, it's really beautiful. And, and I would float gracefully away from the island in the sea, and probably then decide to live in the water
3: forever. <laughs> we're, we're running. and oh, wouldn't bother you any further. Last no, call.
4: they wouldn't.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
3: Uh, we have time to hear from Commander Shepard. How would you deal with your desert island? I think Commander Shepard is going to join Granny with that with that daiquiri and just wait for rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not leave at all. The stupid reapers will come for me eventually.
1: We are officially out of time, so I want to thank you very much for coming to listen to us ramble and pretend to be other people for a little bit. (laughs) I would like to thank our panellists, Marguerite and Anne. Uh, I would also like to thank all of our characters who turned up and gave their thoughts on how they would deal with certain things. And please enjoy the rest of FantasyCon.
0: Breaking the Glass Slipper is written and produced by Megan Lee, Charlotte Bond and Lucy Hounsom. Please help us spread the word. Subscribe and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you would
3: like to hear on the next episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper.